Before we get to the show this week, I'd like to ask if you would please take a minute to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to us. Remember, you can find us both on Fandible or our own dedicated Solo Shot feed. Thanks for listening to the Solo Shot. After successfully retrieving the experimental plans for the Regency, Castian is ready to leave their cause behind. But Captain Nabarro has one more request to make. After a very trying time on Dantooine, Castian, you, Pips, and Larrabee have rejoined Laris on the Howling Gundark. Pips gave Laris coordinates for an otherwise undisclosed location. Laris knows vaguely where you are going. Nobody else has any idea of what the ultimate location is and how long it is going to take to get there. And this is the rendezvous point. Yes. Now, I understand that you came out of Dantooine with a couple of bumps and bruises. How are you spending your recovery time? Castian is currently sitting in the galley, which sort of works as the everyday space. Whenever they need to build something, it's usually in the galley. Whenever they need to eat, it's the galley, or talk, or have a meeting, it's the galley. And whenever there is a medical emergency, it's the galley. So I'm sure Larrabee and Pips are helping Castian slowly peel off what remains of his reinforced armor clothing, and they are finding that some of the fabric has burnt into his skin from where he was blasted. Not only that, but his back is heavily bruised from when he was launched through, I think, two walls when he was blasted by that creature. Which actually was a critical hit, and we never rolled for what injury you would have. I think you decided I was concussed. No, that was just from the weapon. All right, roll me a d100. 97. Oh, that means you are crippled. Now, normally that means a limb is impaired until it's healed or replaced, but obviously we didn't go through that encounter with an injury to a limb. So do you think maybe like your collarbone could have been cracked? Oh, I think that's a perfect thing. So when they're removing the reinforced armor, Castian is making a lot of pained groans. And then finally, when they remove it, they see that there's a bone sticking kind of against the skin of his collarbone. And they realize, yeah, he must have shattered his collarbone at some point. And the adrenaline alone was the only thing keeping him going. Pips and Larrabee are helping you remove your armor and inspect your wounds under the close supervision of Skitter. Now, now, be very gentle with him. Do not allow any further injury to occur. Skitter, you're not a doctor. Why are you even here supervising? I told you I feel really weird when you're in the same room when my shirt's off. And yet, who is going to be the one to direct one of these miscreants to properly dispose of your soiled gear? It's not soiled. Don't call it soiled. It makes it sound like... You know what? Fine. You know what? Uh, uh, Skitter, I need you to direct one of these fine individuals to the uh, receptacle for cleaning my uh, soiled gear. Skitter looks suspiciously between Pips and Larrabee, and you're not quite sure how his droid face can look suspicious, but it does. And he points one of his 
legs at Larrabee, the unlucky person to be chosen. You, sir, dispose of that immediately. Follow me! I give a nod to Larrabee and then just let out a hard wince as I feel Pips touch my collarbone. Ha, ha, ha! Well, if I didn't know before, I'd say it's broken now. Oh, I'm usually supposed to know when it's broken immediately, aren't I? Not unusual in a combat situation. Adrenaline, yeah. Okay, uh, what do I need to do to fix it here? It's not like I can just drop myself into a back-to-tank. What supplies do you have? Well, um, he looks around at the galley. Anything that your eyes can see is for you to use. But we have a medical kit near the refresher. Sure, let me let me go look at that. And as she walks away, Castian kind of leans back and presses his back against like the pole that bisects the table. And he just closes his eyes for a second and focuses on his breathing. Castian is currently at one wound. He is on his last leg. And he just lets kind of the drone of the engines ease his mind a little bit as he tries to focus on anything but his broken collarbone. All right. So did you take both strain and wounds? Yes, I do have some strain damage, but I think it's like 13. So first of all, at the end of any encounter, you can make a discipline or cool check in order to recover your strain. So I think you did take some strain damage. So how about you heal that first? Or I should say, attempt to heal that first. Not a problem. So make a simple discipline or cool check. Which are you going to use? Uh, Discipline. Always discipline. That's what I thought. I got four successes and three advantages. In this case, only successes matter. So each of those four successes heals one strain. And I think that's enough for Castian to actually get all his strain back. So he's feeling uh, not well rested, but his entire body is broken and hurts. Pips returns with the medical kit. I'm going to flip one of these destiny points. She holds it open. It unfolds. And nothing falls out. Seems you forgot to restock. Oh, that's a common occurrence, right? I think we used a lot of that stuff in Alderaan when... Never mind. Okay. Okay. Just do what you can here with whatever you can find. Okay. Uh, she looks around for a moment, looks down at her waist, and pulls out her belt. Holds it out to you. Bite this. Okay. He absolutely bites down onto the belt. All right. Did I give this stormtrooper any medicine skills? It looks like it's your lucky day. She has one in medicine. Now, there's two ways that she could try to heal you. A critical injury has to be its own healing role. And that doesn't even address the wounds. Now, technically, from the narrative perspective, you could heal from that collarbone being broken, but you would still have this critical injury on your character sheet, and that means next time you get a critical injury, it's automatically going to be upgraded. So what would you like Pips to try to heal first? Your wounds or your collarbone? I'd rather her address the collarbone for now. All right. That is three purples. Yes, I would like to upgrade her uh, roll to give her a second yellow. She rolled a triumph. (laughs) Everything else on this roll canceled out, but she rolled a triumph, and a triumph heals a critical injury. It is not a fun process. Castian lets out a muffled scream into the belt as she forces the bone back into place. And then she uses adhesive tape that they use for the pipes of the Howling Gun Dark to kind of lock it in spot. 
But it works. <laughs> Amazingly, it works. And honestly, by the time she's done, Castian is passed out on top of the table, completely just overcome with pain. And I guess that's a benefit. He's no longer feeling it because his body just shut down. And right now, Castian is feeling that sweet release of just unconsciousness. Now, she is also going to attempt to tend to the rest of your wounds. That is not going to bring the upgraded dice. I assume you took more than half of your total wounds? Yes. Yes, I did. But you weren't down to zero, right? I was at one. You were at one. That is the difference between a two and a three in terms of difficulty. She heals one of them. So I'm at two. There you go. I suppose the good thing about having a trip that is going to take multiple days is that every time you sleep, you automatically heal one wound. And of course, Pips can continue to help treat you. Laris can take some time away from the bridge to assist as well. And we're going to say, after four days of travel, you've recovered half of your wounds. Laris and Pips both agree that the best course of action for you going forward is to rest in your quarters. And they also know you don't like to rest in your quarters, so Skitter is standing guard. Ugh, the thing that I hate and the thing that I hate. And Castian tries doing some of the Jedi stuff, but he just doesn't have the focus for it. He doesn't really have the ability to, you know, just meditate. He tries, but something's blocking him. Possibly thoughts of Cerise Nabella. That keeps haunting him, the idea of what her last moments were. Looking up at the sky and seeing a moon before nothing else. So Castian goes back to kind of what he was doing as an Inquisitor back then. He would tinker. He's tinkering with a lot of his old little toys that he has there. And he's just taking them apart and putting them back together. Kind of a return to the old Castian. Bone chirps with concern. I'm fine. Now, I know I'm not sleeping very well. You don't need to inform me I'm not sleeping very well. I have a broken collarbone, my body hurts, and... And he pauses and just shakes his head before returning back to a toy that he's working on. It looks like some sort of horse creature that when you press down on a button, it's supposed to gallop a little bit, but something's wrong with it. There's a piece of sand in it and he can't seem to find it. And he looks through it for about a minute, a minute and a half. And then when Bone chirps, that's when Castian tightens a screw a little too hard and something breaks. And he slams the thing down and says, I'm fine, Bone. And Castian deflates a little bit as he notices that Bone scoots back. I didn't mean to yell, I'm sorry. Yes, I'm not sleeping because... I don't want to think about her, and when I sleep, I think about her. I think about how I wish I was on Alderaan with her, so at least I could have been there to tell her it was going to be okay. She died confused. They all died confused. And I was the one that suggested Alderaan. Remember that? I said you should go to Alderaan. They loved you there. I know I can't predict the future. But that doesn't mean my past can't be blamed. I'm fine, just... Give me the micro-spanner. I'm gonna try to fix this. 
and Castian returns to his work, trying to be a little calmer, but just something clearly on his mind beyond his broken body. And the next time you are disturbed from your work, it is from, of course, Skitter outside. Excuse me, sir? And Castian again, it's that same horse toy. And it is that familiar crack as something breaks. And he just, instead of slamming it down, he puts it down and takes a deep breath. Yes, Skitter, how can I help you? Your presence has been requested on the bridge. We are nearing our final location. Give my compliments to the warden. Thank her so much for her kind release from this confinement. And he stands up and brushes past Skitter. I know you didn't mean that. And he's moving towards the bridge. Gathered on the bridge are Laris, Pips, and Larrabee. Tell me this is not anything unexpected. No, sir. These are the exact coordinates that we were instructed to arrive at. We are dropping out of hyperspace in three, two... And the Howling Gundark immediately drops out of hyperspace. The streaks of stars quickly replaced by the blackness of space. In this case, you do see distant twinkling stars. You are not back in that terrifying black void. Castian looks around for any sign of a planet, a moon, a ship. You don't see any of those. You do, however, see an asteroid belt. And one particularly large asteroid is positioned directly ahead. Oh, he mumbles as he kind of leans forward before wincing, his collarbone reminding him that leaning is not really something he should be doing now. And then he looks towards Larrabee and Pips. I'm guessing the asteroid is, what, a secret base? Honestly, not sure, Larrabee says. These are just the coordinates we were given. Not like any of our patrols ever would have taken us out here. All right, well, uh, try to get in contact with anything. Yes, sir. There is a transponder on the base. It is giving us directions in order to land. Let's take it. Laris goes to start piloting the ship following the final directions from the transponder. The way she says it makes it sound like it's automated. So you're still not sure that there's actually any people down on that asteroid. Castian takes a few steps back and allows himself to be the person behind everyone. And if anybody's paying attention, Castian's hand, his good hand, has drifted down to his lightsaber, just in case that this is a trick. I mean, yes, they worked well together, Pips and Larrabee and Castian, but they are stormtroopers. Or at least they were. And maybe there's a little paranoia setting in. Do you want to see if they do anything suspicious? Yes, Castian would love to do a perception check to see if they're acting suspicious. This is going to be average. I'm upgrading it once, however. So I failed with one threat. Larrabee carries two repeating blasters on him, so he can use one in each hand in a heated firefight. And you know, the way he has his hands on his hips means it would be just a twitch to have those blasters in his hands. Castian eyes Larrabee for a second before saying, Larrabee, I need you to check scanners for me. Huh? Check the scanners, the panel's over there. All right. Thank you. Laris interrupts. Sir, I can see the scanners from here and everything is in- Captain? Uh, Jane, it's fine. You, I want you to focus on that transponder and bringing us in. Larrabee, just check the scanners for us. Sir, if I can remind you, I am the captain on this ship. 
And Castian just gives her a look. A look that just says, trust me. Hmm. Yes, Mr. Larrabee, if you could be a second pair of eyes, that would be helpful. Laris sounds annoyed. Castian's okay with that. And he just keeps his eye straight ahead. Though he's doing that thing where he's staring straight ahead, but he's not focusing straight ahead. He's looking at Larrabee. He's looking at Pips. And maybe right now, since I did fail that, maybe Pips or Larrabee knows Castian is not trusting them. With practiced precision, Laris brings Howling Gundark to the surface of the asteroid. But just as she is about to set down, the asteroid opens up beneath her, revealing, as you guessed, Castian, a secret base. Castian doesn't even realize that he's not breathing until it finally sets down. Once you are inside, you can see that the Howling Gundark is not the only ship that's here. A number of other small crafts are here. They all look imperial. Oh, it's my favorite welcome wagon, he mumbles before, looking towards Laris. Do we know if Liam Nabarro's here? Is he going to meet us anywhere? Pips is the one that answers. Assuming that he's here, a lot of things could have gone wrong. You should know that. He shoots her a look. Yes, but you should also know that I can handle things when things go wrong. Very well. Larry, Pips, let's meet our friends. Laris stands up. Sir, may I join you? Castian's about to say no, but he's catching a glimpse of her. And he realizes maybe this is not so much a request. She's going to join him. Of course, Captain Jane. I wouldn't want you waiting in the ship. Very good. And they walk out, Castian making sure that the stormtroopers are ahead of him. As the loading ramp opens, you see standing at the bottom is Captain Nabarro. Pips and Larrabee both raise their hands in greeting, and he gives them a stiff nod. Pips, Larrabee, I'm very glad to see you once more. And when they come down the ramp, he clasps their forearms, much like you did when you were shaking hands with him last time you saw each other. Castian waits on top of the ramp with Captain Jane and just lets them have a moment. Soldiers greeting soldiers. And then he clears his throat to get Nabarro's attention. Captain Nabarro. Mr. Saya. And he walks down and sets down the briefcase in front of the man. We were able to steal the backup server before they were able to load it into the uh, console. The server, you say? Yes. And they won't notice that it's gone? The entire base is gone. There was a seismic reaction and the volcano erupted. We barely got out with our lives. Nabarro shoots a glance out of the side of his eye over to Pips and Larrabee. How unfortunate. I'm very glad that you were able to escape. And this seems like quite a find you have discovered. They were doing some very interesting things there. We had to escape through the weapons development and they had a I guess at one point he had been a man, covered in black armor from head to toe, hit like a tank, shot like a tank. I barely survived the encounter. Captain Nabarro raises his hand. No need to get into the specifics now, please. You look like you have seen better days. Let us go to the medical facilities, get you patched up. 
and he looks at your collarbone. Properly. All right. Well, um, Pips, Larrabee, thank you for shooting better than most stormtroopers, he says, before handing the server off to one of them. And then he looks towards Nabarro. I would like to continue our discussions in medical, please. Of course. Please, follow me. And he starts walking. Is Jane following? Yes. Nabarro leads you directly to the medical bay, which is not gleaming and spotless. It's definitely not cutting edge or even up to date. Everything here looks like it's about 30 years old. You know, the decor, the color scheme is very dated. The tools are a little bulkier than what you would see in a modern facility. But it looks like it's all in decent repair. Just looking at the items and the mechanics and everything, can I know what kind of technology this is? What do you mean, what kind of technology? Where it's from. You said it was 30 years ago, but is this like Old Republic technology? Is this Separatist technology? Is this Mandalorian technology? Like, I want, I'm trying to figure out what base this is. You can't tell just by looking at the tools. But if you look at the emblems labeling materials on the doors, they are separatist emblems. Castian doesn't say anything until he's sitting on top of the medical bed and a medical droid is working next to him. It asked if he wants some sort of sedative to help him relax, but he refuses. Mm-hmm. Right now he wants to have a clear mind and he does not want to be asleep. Just in case this turns south. And Castian looks around after a few seconds before saying, So this was a separatist base. You have a keen eye. Thank you. And I believe your father was part of the separatist, yes? Indeed. That's how I knew about this place, despite it being unused for 20 years. Castian looks around before adding, And you never told the Empire about it? It wasn't my place. Castian locks eyes with him, and there's just a long pause between the two of them. It is of no strategic use to anyone any longer. This asteroid field has no significant mineral deposits to make it worth mining. There's no need for anyone to officially know that this exists. You know how I know that you were part of the ISB? What is that? Because every ISB agent has a hidey hole that they plan to run off to when they fail the Empire. And this, I suppose, this was your hidey hole. This was your escape hatch, just in case it all went wrong. Hopefully it works out better for me than whatever one you designed worked for you. I'm still here. He looks down at his shoulder. Doing great. That base you sent us to. It was a meat shop. They were cutting up people, and I've seen cybernetics before, but I've never seen cybernetics turning a person into that. Cybernetics have come a long way. So what were you hoping to get from this uh, excursion? You said that they had blueprints, interesting propulsions, anything in particular. I'm just looking at my investment. I invested in you in order to seek justice against the Empire for what they did to the people of Alderaan. I want to make sure that's not wasted. You understand. 
Well, assuming that the server that you stole, in fact, contains the information that we need, and we believe that there are highly experimental blueprints in here for a new hyperdrive, one that can be much more precise in where it jumps out of hyperspace. No more needing to jump in the middle of a system far away from any prospective targets. I've heard about this before. I, I remember actually reading about it sometimes when I was working with the ISB. From what I heard five years ago, they had pretty much scrapped the project. The idea was too dangerous. Too many times of people ending up going through suns and it's never being seen again. And yet the work continued. I'm not surprised, he mumbles before leaning back. So you got your server, and I made sure your people got back home, and as an added benefit, we were lucky that the volcano erupted. Lucky. He smiles before looking down. What can I say? You set off one turbo laser in a volcanic base, and the thing just goes wild. Sir, that is not how you explained it to me. Castian looks towards Laris before just offering a shrug. Oops. That was how you explained it to me. Same thing, different language. Well, Captain Nabarro, I suppose this is uh, where we disembark from each other. It was nice working with Imperials that weren't so quick to backstab. I wish you all the luck with restoring the Senate, though I do have my hesitations on it actually being successful. Uh, I do hope that you can at least find justice for what those in the Empire allowed to have happen to your planet. And by the way, was someone going to tell me that Tarkin was dead? Because I found that out at an incredibly inopportune time. We had no reason to suspect you were unaware. It was very prominent news. Well, I've been rather busy. Only met the man once, but if I'm going to be honest, he scared me more than a, a lot of people I worked with. You are, of course, free to leave as you please. You have succeeded beyond our wildest dreams in terms of this mission. But there is still a lot of work to do to gain justice for Alderaan. If you wish to stay with us, you have proven your trustworthiness. I... <clears throat> I don't know how smart it is to have someone like me working with individuals like you for that long. The Empire will not like it. They will redouble their efforts if they knew I was part of your little motley crew. And let's not even mention the Rebellion. Uh, they have opted to allow me to uh, remain undetained due to past dealings. But uh, if they catch me around, I don't know if they would be able to hold back on the opportunity to capture another Imperial Inquisitor. Indeed, that is not something we would want to have happen. No, Castian says as the droid finishes up jabbing his shoulder, and for the first time this entire week, it doesn't feel numb. And Castian slowly pushes himself off the bed and collects his jacket. But what if the Rebellion owed you a life debt? And that definitely causes Castian to pause, and he slips on his jacket slower before turning around to look at him. I don't know if I could do a favor enough to them to uh, guarantee such benevolence. Nothing comes to mind, at least. The Rebellion struck their blow, their greatest blow yet. 
at Yavin 4. They have one of their many little secret hideaways stashed amongst the ruins of that planet. They know that retribution will be swift and merciless. However, they took heavy losses, both of people and of infrastructure, and have put out a call through their back channels, requesting any and all sympathizers to assist. While we disagree with their end goals, I can see how remaining in their good graces could be beneficial. You, of course, are welcome to continue on your way. You have done what we asked of you. You have made an incredible contribution to our cause. But you are very impressive, Castian. I don't want to stop working with you yet. Castian looks down, and then he looks towards Laris, and they lock eyes, and he finally just shakes his head. Captain Navarro, I regret to inform you that this is the last you'll be seeing me, and I wish you and your regency the best of luck. I have to make sure me and my own are taken care of, and it is best if we end our partnership right now. And Castian just waits for any sign of that not being the right response. And you don't get that sign. Captain Nabarro nods. Of course, he holds his hand out to you to shake. And Castian reaches out and clasps his wrist. And it is a hearty handshake that he gives you. I have enjoyed working with you. Best wishes in whatever adventures come your way next. Of course. You may, of course, rest here. We can reload your ship with supplies. I've been informed that you are lacking in some medical supplies, so of course we will make sure to refill your stocks there as a way of saying our thank you. Thank you. We'll be leaving within the hour. Is that okay, Captain Jane? Of course. Thank you, Captain Navarro. And he gives him one final nod. Castian, Captain Jane, be well. And he leaves. Castian takes a slow breath as he just looks around, waiting for any sign of the shoe dropping. And at one point, the door does open, and he's expecting, I don't know, troopers to run in with their blasters drawn. But it's just a lonely technician who immediately just walks past Castian, not even paying him any mind, and starts working on one of the pipes. The medical droid packs up a small med kit for you and hands it to you. And then Castian hands it off to Captain Jane, and they start moving back towards the cargo bay. Sir, I do believe we have made the correct call here. You are in no shape to be running off to a rescue mission. Yeah, of course. We do need to keep our heads down uh, with the Empire looking for retribution for anything. And them identifying me on Delea, it's, it's best if we just found a corner of the galaxy and just laid low. We are still in the Outer Rim territories. It is very easy to find a sector of space where we will not be spotted. And both of us will have an opportunity to sit and relax and recover from the major incidences that we have been through. And Castian and Laris enter a lift and it starts rising and 
Castian is watching his reflection as the lights behind him are passing as this thing is raising. And after a while, he just starts seeing images of just not himself, but Cerise, his dreams, the things that he sees when he is resting, when he is closing his eyes, when he's not moving. And after a moment of silence, when the door opens up in the cargo bay, Laris walks forward, but Cassian does not. Sir? I actually think we need to take this mission. Sir? If it's the rebels, we need every friend we can get, and if this is a chance to get a life debt in order to have them fully, truly ignore us, I, I think that is not something we can ignore. If this is us just dropping by, giving them supplies, offering them a way off Yavin for... That's an easy mission, and we could probably get paid for it. We're looking for payment these days. We're going to need credits if we're going to be lying low and not taking business for the next few months. And what about the possibility of an Imperial Strike Force? There's always a possibility of an Imperial Strike Force. And honestly, every time I'm faced with an Imperial Strike Force, I, we come out on top. And he looks down at his shoulder. Well, mostly on top. I think this is the right decision, he says as he presses the button to go back down. And the door starts closing in front of Laris. Sir. I will meet you on the ship. I'll talk to Captain Nabara. Thank you, Jane. Sir. And the door closes. And Castian just takes a deep breath. <laughs> and when the door opens again, he's back on the floor and he is moving with haste down the hallway, looking for uh, where Captain Nabarro might have wandered off to. You find Nabarro in the war room. It is a large circular room and it has a very large hollow projector console in the center. Standing around are a number of other soldiers, some lieutenants, people of really all kinds of ranks, with Captain Nabarro being the obvious, most highly ranked and person in charge as they are going through the data that was on that server with key pieces popping up on the hollow projector. Castian walks in and immediately like slows his walk and he's just waiting for Nabarro to catch a glimpse of him and he's going to kind of nod him over. Nabarro is in deep conversation with one of the lieutenants next to him as they are looking at some very complicated schematics that have popped up in front of him. You know enough mechanics to recognize that it is a ship design, but between it being in a strange perspective and obviously being experimental, you can't see anything beyond that. And Castian's just waiting for Nabarro to finish his conversation. A couple of the people in the room start clearing their throats. <clears throat> until Nabarro finally looks up. Castian, please, has there been a problem? No, I was thinking about what you said about offering aid, and as long as you don't think that we're being sent straight into a dogfight with an Imperial battlecruiser, if this is just to offer aid, it might be best if we end on a positive note with the rebellion for me and Captain Jane, so I'm interested in hearing the mission that you have. Nabarro's eyes flicker behind you. And is your captain on board with this plan? Castian looks behind him. She's not there. Yes, of course. We are of one mind. Well then, please, come in. And Castian walks right in, and if there's a seat, he'll take it. 
Nabarro waves a hand at one of the technicians that you hadn't seen. They were in the shadows. And the technician clears out the blueprints that had been up on the display and instead brings up the Yavin system. Zooming in on one of the moons of Yavin. Yavin 4. This is where the rebels struck the deciding blow against the weapon that we believe was the one that was used against Alderaan. These people are heroes. But heroes need assistance sometimes. Yes, if they're explaining where the battle went down, then I'm assuming Yavin 4 is where they've been holding up, and now that's known to the Empire. Correct. So... We are sending aid in order to get everyone off the planet to repair ships, to bring more medical supplies, and make sure there is a full evacuation before any more damage can come to the planet. It is a simple mission. We will make sure that your ship is filled with supplies, you will bring it to Yavin 4, and... If you are amenable to it and they still need assistance in getting people out of there, if you would not mind bringing some of them onto your ship. We do not have rendezvous coordinates beyond that. We would not be bringing anyone back here. I do not know what your next stop would be. That could be something we can do. In order to come in, if they're following standard Imperial practices, they would at least blockade the system before gathering enough Star Destroyers to make a decisive blow. Uh, they probably are having a hard time rounding up enough Star Destroyers at this moment because if the Rebellion is truly sending out a victory notice and announcing that Alderaan was destroyed, they can't spare too many ships leaving systems in case there is a planetary riot. So I need from you, in order to get into the Yavin system, a Imperial Transponder. I assume you still have a couple of those? Yes, of course. We'll use that just in case we run into that blockade. Uh, if not, uh, I'm sure that someone in the Rebellion knows of the Howling Gundark. We have been a thorn under their skin uh, enough of times. But if they're truly desperate for people to help, they won't say no to us. That is all the reassurance I need to hear. I will make sure one of my engineers makes it to the landing bay with a transponder for you. And if you think trouble is coming, as your keen strategic mind has pointed out, I can send a battalion of soldiers off as well. No, no. Your people look like stormtroopers even without their armor, and they even walk like stormtroopers without their armor. It'd be better if it's just me and Captain Jane's crew. We'll be fine. If you say so. Yes. Good luck. We'll be waiting in the bay for the cargo and for that transponder. Well, it looks like you can't get rid of me uh, so easily. <laughs> Not that we would want to. Of course. And then with that, Castian's heading back to the lift and really getting excited about the conversation he's about to have with Laris. Even before the lift door opens, you can hear Skitter. I say, you, you do not have authorization to get onto this ship. I listen only to Captain 
Jane and she has said no. We are not taking on any more supplies. We are Skitter, 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 Cassian says as he kind of half jogs across the bay. What you see once the door open is not only Skitter, of course, standing very imperiously at the top of the loading ramp, but Bone has actually been looped into this, and he is rolling back and forth like a patrolling soldier at the bottom of the ramp. Uh, stand down, Skitter. Stand down. I do not take orders from you. I am loyal only to Captain Jane. Okay, well, I'm walking to talk to Captain Jane. Is that fine? <laughs> of course it's fine, he says, as he walks just past Skitter, not worried. Bone beeps at you, a little insubordinate. I'm handling it, Bone, and he's marching up the ramp, entering the ship, and he's moving towards the bridge. Which is where Laris is. Hey, Laris. Laris is sitting in the captain's chair, and she doesn't turn to look at you. This is absolutely new behavior from Laris. Laris? Why are there technicians and repair crews insisting that they should be allowed to be on my ship? Laris... Someone wishes to install a new transponder. An Imperial transponder. Which we could use afterwards for our benefit. This is a good thing. Having an Imperial transponder on our ship that we can turn on and off could get you into regions of space that you would otherwise have trouble traveling through. My ship. Yes, it's your ship. Of course it's your ship. You said our ship. Laris, I know this is your ship. But this is our partnership. We have always had each other's back. That's what I thought. Laris, we can't just go off and sit by and hide and rest while the Empire is still out there doing what they're doing, creating the tools to destroy an entire planet. Isn't that exactly what you made me do? I made you rest because you were about to die. And at that time, we didn't know that they could create something this... this deadly. Lars, I can't just sit in a corner in space and hide. I can't. I can't just close my eyes and think of, of good thoughts to, to make it easier for me to sleep. I, I need to help. I need to do something. I can't just hide. And I know you don't want to hide. What they were doing in that death shop would have given you nightmares. They were installing cybernetics into people. In such a way, they were no longer people. And I don't mean that in a derogatory way. They stripped, they cut, they stitched away every bit of humanity in those individuals and turned them into tools. That's the people that you just want to hide from? We are one ship. They are an empire. An empire that can now destroy a planet... And not just any planet, one of the most influential planets. It feels like it is not in our best interests. But it's been destroyed, the weapon. The rebels claim they destroyed the weapon. Don't you want to have confirmation for that? Don't you want to know that there's not some planet killer out there? It's just one mission of dropping off supplies. We drop off supplies if they pay us... And they will pay us. Look at this as a business standpoint, Laris. We have all the cards on the table. If they desperately need to get off that planet before they get bombed by the Empire, 
they will pay any price that you ask of them. So we drop off supplies to give them a fighting chance to fix their own things. Then we offer them a ride. We get paid and we could use that funding in order to hide away and get our Nunas in a row. This is a good plan. My only concern is we often have a good plan and rarely does it turn out as well as we plan for it to. I'm still here. You're still here. Bone is still here, and yes, unfortunately, Skid is still here, so I guess not all plans work out so well. But we have beaten the odds. We have both fled the Empire, and we are still around. Do you not sometimes think about what we've done in the Empire? What we helped to do? I just want to even the score a little bit. That resonates with Laris. On an emotional level that you don't think it would have... A month or two ago. And Castian feels awful for that because that's why he used it. He went from comparing her to a tool to talking about getting reassurances to trying to see if she wants to do this as a businesswoman and seeing as this is a good deal. And then he used an emotional manipulation and he feels terrible, but he still did it. That blatant emotional manipulation I feel like that's worth a point of corruption. No, absolutely. It's worth it, though. The end justifies the means. Oh, boy. Laris reaches for a communicator. Skitter, please stand down. Allow the technicians on the ship. She disconnects before Skitter can argue. I need to focus. I require no distractions on the bridge. I've never been a distraction before. Please. Castian nods and just walks out. He doesn't go into his room to rest, even though he's tired. Instead, he just kind of gets into the docking bay and just watches everybody load everything up. And it's at this moment that Castian realizes that even though there are people around him, that Laris is just a hallway away, Bone is rolling back and forth, and Skitter, even Skitter, is nearby. That he feels alone. So he just focuses on the mission. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Fandible Solo Shot, Star Wars Force and Destiny podcast. You can now find all episodes on the Fandible Solo Shot podcast feed on iTunes and all other podcasting platforms. Please subscribe and leave us a review to help new listeners find us for their Star Wars actual play fix. You can also find us on Twitter at Soloshot Podcast. And if you enjoy the stories we tell here and on the rest of the Fandible Podcast Network, consider donating to our Patreon at patreon.com fandible. Thanks again, and may the Force be with you always. Picture a world where the gods have grown bored and fickle. Picture a world where reality shapes itself to their whims and desires in the search for entertainment. Picture a world where everything's a stage and the common folk merely players. Into this step the professional champions, heroes by trade and vocation, fighting to protect those in need. Some do it for gold, others for glory but they all know that they are the thin line between the chaos of the gods and the safety of the world. And they also know this. If there's one thing the gods demand, 
it's a good performance. Welcome to Dungeon Majeure! Dungeon Majeure is an actual play Genesis podcast on a homebrewed world with some very homebrewed heroes. Starting on Wednesday the 14th of April and releasing weekly, find us wherever you get your podcasts and join us on the social medias under the banner of our parent show, Force Majeure, which is at Force Majeure Pod. So strap on your sword, fill up your tanker, take a seat by the fire and get ready for the show.